Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to a new episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Rich Monroe. Uh, Rich, you want to give everyone a, a bit of a background to yourself so they get to, get to know you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Glenn, thanks so much for inviting me to the podcast. Okay. Excited to be here. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm Rich Monroe, real estate investor. Uh, my wife and I have been investing in real estate for a little over 20 years. Um, we're based in, in Atlanta, Georgia, in a suburb of, of Atlanta called Buford, uh, up on Lake Lanier. And we've been, uh, we started out with tax lien investing. And so we bought about 350 properties, mostly in Georgia, but also in Maryland. And really, that's kind of, we broke our teeth on real estate kind of saw the worst case scenario of properties that needed, you know, rehabs from being vacant for two and three years uh, and sold most of those properties to other investors. Uh, we did keep some of those and started generating like most investors, kind of the, the long-term rental portfolio uh, with the idea of having that passive uh, income. Uh, we looked at, uh, you know, starting to build that. We probably had seven or eight properties uh, and growing and really got burnt out very quickly from, you know, evicting people right before the holidays um, having to rehab the property again, looking at the numbers and not really making a whole lot of money there. And so it was about eight and a half, nine years ago, we looked at the short-term rental model and it was like a light bulb moment for me. You know, you're making two to three times the revenue compared to a long-term rental. Properties stay in much better shape. Uh, and we were able to build a scalable model that uh, allowed us to, you know, not hire a bunch of people to, 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 to run this. We self-manage everything. Uh, a lot of it's done with contractors and um, uh, outsourced. And we have uh, built a portfolio up to about 75 properties um, in Georgia. We're also in the Tampa, Florida market. Uh, we're starting to expand into the Caribbean as well. And so, you know, we also help other investors kind of, you know, learn the same thing we did. You know, a quick way to to jump in the, into this as an investor is doing the master lease strategy or what's called rental arbitrage, where you can basically take control of properties uh, whether they're multifamily or, you know, single family homes. And essentially you're playing the arbitrage between your monthly expenses and what you can do um, after you've staged and set up the property for short-term rental revenue. Uh, and then we also manage properties for other investors. We have various different investment funds that we go do acquisitions for and end up uh, short-term rentaling them. Uh, and so we also do coaching and consulting. And so we help, um, uh, new investors, not necessarily just in Georgia, but across the United States that want to learn how to do the same thing we've done, build a scalable model, uh, grow a portfolio of short-term rentals, and be able to manage it remotely, uh, and basically maximize your revenue through doing short-term rentals. And so that's kind of our core focus. That's all we do. Uh, we do. We also do a weekly podcast or Facebook Live, and I typically interview other short-term rental operators that are very experienced and have a lot of units. But we kind of rewind and we back up and we talk about their story. How did they get started? What was involved? What did they experience? And we kind of help other investors get a good understanding of the space uh, and, and this market as well. We also talk to different service providers. We had um, the chief uh, economist of AirDNA, uh, who is a platform that does a lot of the historical analytics for short-term rentals um, that we did an interview with that kind of did a good good breakdown and summary of what's going on in the short-term rental market and from a statistical basis. Um, and so, you know, it's very informative. And so I, I know I'm just rambling on here. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so um, 
what what attracted me to Rich and how I found Rich was uh, I saw a post online and he was doing uh, container homes as short term rentals. Um, maybe let's look because I know that that's what's really piqued my interest. Um, because you know everyone loves short term rentals and anytime you can have a little bit of a spin on it or even um like you know depending on what market you're in like you know even parts of Georgia Tampa it could be depending where you are be a little bit more expensive. Um, so. Shipping containers are going to bring that price down, especially if you, you know, pop it on some land. Or I'm not sure how your whole strategy works with that, but maybe maybe tell me a little bit about that. How how, the, how you do ship, shipping containers with short-term rentals? And I don't know. I'm wondering if there's if there's any snags or anything that's tricky with them compared to a rental a regular rental house. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so the this was actually one of our Facebook lives that we did recently. I'm happy to send it out as well if folks are interested in checking it out. Um, I basically interviewed um, a, a friend of mine. His name is Michael Hicks, and he's based um, up in northwest Georgia in the, in the mountains, kind of bordering Tennessee and Georgia. And uh, he um, has probably eight or nine different themed properties that he does short term rentals with. Um, some of them are most of them are container homes, but he also does tree houses uh, oh, cool. and A-frames. Yeah, uh, A-frame properties that are kind of usually uh, on a lake. And so he's got properties in the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, over on the um, yeah, the East Coast in Savannah, Tybee Island, for example. And so a lot of times what he's what he does is he gets the land, uh, acquires the land and seeks it out to be somewhat destination amenity oriented. Uh, the ones he started with are actually three container homes on Lookout Mountain that are on uh, one uh, kind of a, a subdivided plot of land. The view is phenomenal of, um, you know, off the mountain. And he basically started with the first container home, uh, bought the container for, I think it was around 12 to 15,000 um, and had it sitting in the driveway of his office um, for several months as they kind of equipped it. Uh, you know, it's not much different than new construction. You have to do your foundation first, obviously, you know, tie, tie in your water and your electricity. Uh, and then you physically get the container uh, delivered there once you have it cut out and specced out for the windows and the doors. Um, so with twelve the, to $15,000 uh, container, is that that's does that come with anything in it? Or are you talking just the base of that? or just the That's just the base, basic container, right? Okay. And then you obviously you have to, you know, get it equipped and, and construct it so that it can be converted into, you know, a, a, a livable dwelling essentially. Um, yeah. And that's typically done on site once you've kind of um, put it on top of the foundation. Oh, you do that after. I was thinking you'd put it all, get that all set up and then lift it onto the spot. No, they, they typically do it after because you've got to, you've got to bake in the electrical, you've got to do the sheetrock, you know, you've got to get it all done. So it's typically done on site. Yeah. So the main thing they do ahead of time is just cut out, Cut out the main areas that you need to cut out of the uh, of the container home. Oh, that's cool. the The picture I saw that I think this one you're talking about, where it's like overlooking like a, a valley or something, and they they taken like and built a cinder block foundation. They just dug right into the right on the edge. The, it almost right. like it's hanging right off the, the edge of the the hill or whatever it's right right and then yeah once you've put it there you can essentially you know spec out for your outdoor patio porch areas you can put hot tubs out there um things of that nature you know and it, a, a lot of what airbnb uh the airbnb platform has done over the last couple of years uh, literally probably the last year year and a half is they've kind of shifted their focus since covid recognizing that a lot of people can travel freely they're not necessarily concerned about where they're going 
but it's more about the experience and um, you know the the type of of experience they want to encounter. So they they did a major overhaul um, last year on their search engine so that instead of you going to their main page and searching for a location, you're basically able to search categories, right? So you can go look at all the treehouse options in the Southeast or in the States. You can look at all the lake houses, mountain houses, beach houses, uh, tree houses, you know, so you can kind of search by category and what typically tends to happen is folks are going to pay a premium for that experience. You know, so a tiny home or a container home, like we're talking about is typically going to command anywhere from 250 to 300 bucks a night. Uh, even though it's a very small square footage footprint, you're going to sleep two people typically. Uh, but it's all about that experience that you're kind of uh, ramping up for and, you know, all in the cost, you know, obviously you've, you've got to buy the land, you've got to do the construction, You've got to stage the property uh, much like you would ordinarily, and so all in, you're probably at around eighty to ninety thousand uh, as an as an expense um, to get everything set up, uh, and then your your revenue potential, you know, is definitely you know in that. Oh, um, like that's that's a great. Those are great numbers, right? Because you're right. for two fifty per day, because um, a lot of people are going to get two fifty per day, but they're buying like a three hundred thousand dollars house, right? Where you're right. talking ninety plus some land, right? So yeah, go ahead. You you mentioned like experience homes, like different kinds of experiences to you know to enjoy. Um, like you you manage a whole bunch of properties. What kind of uh, experience homes do you have? Like different ideas or different things that you manage. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've created a new coaching program. I believe the new coaching program has way more value than any of the programs that have even existed in the past. What we've done is pre-recorded all the lessons so that you can work through it at your own pace which is pretty cool. And then we're going to meet up on a regular basis to answer the questions, do deal analysis, and actually spend our time together working on things instead of spending our time learning things. I think this will make a seamless transition to buying in the United States and will help you solve a lot of your problems. If this is of interest to you, go to glensutherland.com slash coaching. I hope to help you guys invest in the United States and I hope we provide as much value as possible. Back to the podcast. Yeah, no, sure. So we have uh, a 15 acre horse farm in North Georgia and Gainesville, kind of the probably 50 minutes from the Atlanta airport. Yeah. It um, has uh, a horse stable with 10 horses, uh, a swimming pool, fire pit, five bedroom home. And it kind of, the house kind of sits on a mountain and it overlooks the pasture. And so you can kind of chill out on the front patio, watch the horses um, frolicking in the field. You can also do horse lessons and things like that. Um, so that's that's one of our our, our kind of uh, featured properties that uh, is a little bit unique. Um, we're also looking at doing luxury tents. Um, you know, luxury tents are very similar to the container home as far as a cost basis goes, um, as well as very similar to the revenue you can command because it's all about the experience. And when I say luxury tents, people kind of look at me cross-eyed. It's not like the, the 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 camping used to do as a kid, as a Cub Scout or as a Girl Scout. Um, <laughs> these are typically, you know, kind of the like how they have in Africa, where they have the high-end, you know, um, hunting expeditions, and they have these high-end luxury. So you know, these are these are tents that are equipped with full kitchens, full bathrooms, um, and you know, outdoor seat, seating and stuff like that. That you can also kind of command a premium for just a question about that place with the horses like so if somebody was to rent that 
is their goal to like just watch the horses or is their goal to go ride the horses? Like what a combination. Some folks just like the environment and and just like to have that as a view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're when they're looking off the front porch and others want to, you know, their kids want to take horse riding lessons and things like that. They have ponies as well as, as horses. And so it's a combination of the two for sure. Yeah. And um, I'm just thinking like, so the people who I'm, I'm assuming you're the, the property manager, the manager for that um, short-term rental on that one, or is that one your own? Um, um, yeah, that's one that we manage. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but the people who actually own it, do they live there and probably manage the farm? And it's just sort of, they've used like a, they found a second location to build like a secondary home or building to, to view this or how does that kind of work for them? Yeah. Most of our clients are um, like us investors and they're yeah. trying to maximize revenue. So this was an investment property that we um, are engaged with this investor. So they have multiple properties that they specifically, they seek out properties that have large tracts of land. And it's actually quite interesting. So they'll buy, they'll do a, a rehab or a remodel on a home that's existing on, you know, 10, 15 acres. And then they'll do short-term rental to generate revenue for the next three, four five years. And then they'll subdivide it as a, a um, and develop it as a subdivision later um, as, as a part of the exit. And so we, we have multiple properties that are like that, that, that has that as the kind of the end game, the investment strategy to kind of basically liquidate later as, uh, a developed subdivision. That's cool. That's a good idea. It's kind of like I, I was down in Kentucky uh, in August and they, they there was like a road and there was like basically a ravine and there wasn't much room to act for anyone to actually build a real house. They built like these little cabins where you could look over the ravine, but it was like all that you could really fit there. <laughs> and they managed to get, you know, it has plumbing and everything else in it. And it still was I don't know, probably 1200 square feet or something like that for the place. But yeah. I was like, I thought that was, that's cool. Like, you know, and they didn't have to start with like all of those. They could build one and then build another one later on, build another one down that, that road. And um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting idea just to, because there's a lot of people that are interested in, you know, investing in land. Um, and this right. would be like you're investing in land level two, <laughs> right? To, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You know, another, another option or another strategy that we have is, you know, lake homes or lake properties oh, nice. uh, do quite well from a return on investment standpoint. And so, you know, being investors and rehabbers, we actually buy properties distressed. Um, you know, we, we recently did a project in Flowery Branch on Lake Lanier in, in Georgia, not too far from where we are, where, where we're based. And it was an $800,000 acquisition. We put $200,000 in, in into a, a full gut rehab, uh, opened up floor plans. Um, and then we put about $35,000 in, in furnishings and staging in it. Uh, it's actually... Um, on the lake with a view, with a private dock, and it, it just happens to be down the street from where they filmed the uh, Netflix series Ozark. And so, the oh. if you're familiar with that, the the Bird family home uh, is like literally you know half a block away from this property. And so, um, a lot of people don't realize they filmed uh, Ozark in in Georgia on Lake Lanier. Yeah, I was um, thinking that. <laughs> yeah, you know they, they've done. <laughs> the film industry has done some good incentives to, to draw a lot of folks to film stuff here. And they usually try to do as many as they can, um, you know, up until now with the writer's strike. But anyway, so so all in, we're at about a million um, as our as our purchase. Um, the uh, after repair value or the appraised value after we finished the rehab is about one point five million. And so we've you know instantly got that as equity. And then we're going to do about thirty thousand per month in, in gross rental revenue on that. And so that works out to be about a 22% um, return on investment. 
And so even though, you know, obviously these are bigger numbers than paying 150 grand to set up a luxury tent or, or, or a container home, but it's got, you know, similar, you know, high, high returns as far as part of the investment. That's cool. Yeah. With, um, if you're around like a location like that, can you put that in your advertising on Airbnb or is you just have to put it kind of in like your, your guest book or what, uh, what do you do with that information? Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Yeah, we we have it in our we have it in our guest book, we have it in our guidebook, we have it in our description on the listing on Airbnb for sure. I mean, that's a yeah. part of the draw to to have folks come in. That's awesome. No, no, I, I was just wondering, like, even just to have it in the listing, you're like the Oz, the house from the Ozarks uh, TV show is right next door or down the road. And, you know, <laughs> people, like, can you say that? I just can, right? I don't know why I thought you might not have an issue, but uh. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. so. Yeah, what what does it look like um in the future for you guys? What do you what are you guys working on? Um is it mostly like you know managing the rehabs, most managing the um the, the actual reservations, getting some more for yourself? What what are you working on right now? Yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, I I, I got burnt out from rehabs. We used to do about eight or nine rehabs a year, and it just became a That's job. <laughs> it is. It just became a job, right? Managing the contractors and so I, I, so that the one we just did on Flowery Branch, we probably only do one or two rehabs now a year when we actually do it for short-term rentals for ourselves. Um, and so we're not doing as many. Um, so our main core focus right now is expanding into other markets, partnering with uh, investors, uh, usually mostly investment funds strategically. Uh, we're looking at the Charlotte, North Carolina market. We're looking at Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we're already in Tampa, Florida, so we're going to expand into St. Petersburg and um, Sarasota. Uh, and then we're also looking at the east coast of Florida as well. Um, you know, Kissimmee still does pretty good near Disney. Um, so we're looking at some investments there. And then we're also kind of a little bit longer term. Uh, you know, I'm originally from the Caribbean. I was born in Guyana, grew up in Jamaica. My wife's from Trinidad. And so we have a lot of connections to the Caribbean. So we already have a property in Montego Bay um jamaica and so we're looking at um potentially doing some of these theme type properties luxury tents and, and such uh, at some resorts uh uh in the caribbean as well so for these projects are you planning on doing the, the master lease or the arbitrage sort of method to them or are you buying these properties i guess it depends if you're renting or not but what's the how does that kind of play out or look like yeah no so we we definitely have um done quite a bit of the master lease strategy it's works it's worked well uh, you know, competitively with, you know, usually it's a midsize um, multifamily building. Uh, you know, we've had a 30 unit building, for example, where we started out with four units uh, as, as short term rentals and the owner investor recognized the benefit of the property staying in much better shape, less complaints, less issues with tenants. And so over the period of about 12 months, we converted the entire building over to doing short term rentals. Um, they're all one bedroom, one bath units. And so essentially that becomes kind of a boutique hotel type situation um, where it's, uh, you know, all doing all short-term rentals. And so when you, when you have a, a, an owner of a multifamily building that we usually partner with, um, you know, they're starting to do their refinances or they've just recently remodeled the property. Uh, layering in the master lease strategy with the short-term rental revenue is definitely something that makes them a lot competitive and being able to, some of the lenders are starting to recognize uh, a lot of the revenue now as well over the long-term rental. Um, so that becomes a, a, a good play. Yeah. For, for a lot of them too, it's, um, it makes a lot of sense to just get the, it's nice solid rent and you can see the condition of properties kept up. All the yeah. little perks you were saying right off the start. 
Um, and, and it's good to even diversify because say, you know, COVID we went through and, you know, it changed some things, but it, things bounced back. But, um, you know, for instance, even like hurricanes, right? They go through and destroyed like Fort Myers in that area down there last year. And you go, uh, what they need is those short-term rentals for all the contractors, right? So they right. don't necessarily want a beach home, even though there's tons of beach homes and that kind of stuff down in that area. It may make yeah. a lot more sense to have like, uh, you know, apartment building to stay at, right? Because they, they just need somewhere to stay while they're working. Right. Well, and I, I want to point out as well, I know we've talked a lot about the different categories, but uh, we we do well in, in, in Tampa, Florida, for example, where they're just regular three, four, five, six bedroom houses, 30 minutes from any beach. Uh, and we, we, we do 70, 80% occupancy and, um, you know, keep, keep them booked because, you know, you, for all those reasons, you have workers coming in, you have other reasons that folks are staying in short-term rentals. Um, you know, one of the, the, the kind of the, the, the recent, um, peaks is, you know, when you start looking at the short-term rental model as an investor, you're, and then we did this in the beginning, you're thinking, ah, I should do probably one bedroom apartments, two bedroom apartments that similar to a hotel that they should do well. But what's what's happened in the marketplace, um, a lot of the travelers, business travelers, corporate travelers, families traveling, they recognize the economic benefit of getting a four and five bedroom home uh, and paying, you know, three, four hundred bucks a night compared to getting three or four different hotel rooms for, you know, three or four times that cost. And yeah. so what tends to happen in most markets and Tampa included uh, as a percentage of the, the short-term rentals available, there's not that many four and five bedroom homes. And so there's a limited supply for them uh, and a high demand. And so the, as a result of that, they stay pretty busy, um, you know, and is, is a, a nice lucrative way to, to convert some of your long-term rentals over to the short-term rental strategy on some of the larger homes. You know, that makes a lot of sense just to be anytime you're a little bit more niche or a little bit different than everybody else. Um, it, it tends to it stands out. Right. My podcast, you know, it's a little bit more direct. You know, a lot of people have podcasts on investing. Just doing that. Um, I had some like a little bit different, but I had long term rental. You get a five bedroom, even long term rental. Those don't exist. <laughs> you know, like there's some people with large families and there is, you know, they're used to having like, you know, several kids packed into the same room. Right. Anything you you know, um, even for me, like I like to go travel and go not own blame all the places I went travel, but um, we like a lot of times we'll find like a, a short term rental that uh, can you know put a bunch of families in. We have a kitchen, we'll have a place that's sort of central. Um, compared to even like a resort or even uh, a hotel, we can uh, you know if we have young kids, they can go to bed and we can still hang out there. If you're at like a, a hotel or apartment you get your old different sides of the building you're nowhere near each other you're like okay i guess i'm going to bed at 9 30 tonight this is awesome yeah you, <laughs> you got the convenience of a full kitchen you know full living room area to hang out in so yeah there's definitely uh, obvious benefits to it for sure awesome rich uh really this was a ton of information i really liked it um people uh they're interested in you know getting um you know having you manage a short-term rental or just some interest in learning about how you do this or anything else or learning about your academy or the three million other things that you did. Um, yeah, no, I'll tell you that. There's one last thing just to kind of update oh, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. watching. Um, and then I'll kind of throw in uh, how to get get in touch with me. So sure. the elephant in the room that a lot of people need to recognize even before you start thinking about investing in short-term rentals is the regulatory environment is very 
intense and it's a moving target. Most major cities in across the United States uh, have restrictions of some sort, uh, typically anchored on the primary residency. In other words, you have to have a primary resident in that city to, in order to do short-term rentals. Uh, don't forget Airbnb kind of started with the home sharing model. And so anytime there's a rumbling of a ban of short-term rentals, and this happened fairly recently in Atlanta a few years ago, um, the Airbnb model uh, answer to it is, well, we'd like to keep uh, primary resident folks that want to supplement their income. Um, and that's what they usually push. And so um, I formed a nonprofit in here in Atlanta to fight that legislation. We're actually pretty close to being successful with them rewriting it and um, not requiring you to be a primary resident and putting more of a global cap in there and actually putting in grandfathering rules uh, and rights. So I only mentioned that because, you know, as you're figuring out what target market you want to look at, that's the very first thing you want to understand is what is the regulatory environment there? Have they already decided the rules or um, are they still up in the air? And then that way you know where to invest, where to stay away from. Uh, there are some counties and cities that have defined the rules that are quite reasonable. They recognize the benefit of the tax revenue. And so, um, you know, we tend to obviously try to navigate to some of those areas where you can invest uh, aggressively when you know kind of what the regulatory environment looks like. So I wanted to mention that. No, piece. no, it makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of things, some things that people don't even realize when they're purchasing homes that, you know, uh, you mentioned kissing me earlier, like there's parts of that you can't do short-term rentals, right? Right. So and like like Orlando is one of those strictly, you, you not only do they require you to have a primary resident to do it legally, but you also have to physically be in the home when you're hosting guests. Yeah. So how do you make a scalable business out of that? You just can't, right? And so as a result of that, Kissimmee has 17,000 listings that support a lot of that, you know, travel volume that comes in for Disney. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I, I um, like Glenn was saying, I do have a Facebook group um, that we uh, encourage new investors that want to learn about short-term rentals to join. It's called BNB Investing Group on Facebook. Um, and just in case you don't find it, I can give you a number if you text BNB. Uh, to this number, I'll actually send you a link automatically to join. Yeah. Uh, it's 205-596-7801. So 205-596-7801. Um, the best way to get a hold of me is through Facebook Messenger. And so if you join my group, start checking out the Facebook Lives. There, I actually have the Container Home one in the featured section of the group um, this week so that folks can kind of dive into that. Uh, that are interested in learning more about container homes. And then, like I said, we do a different one every week. Um, so we'd love you guys to jump in and, and kind of join and feel free to reach out if you have any questions about anything. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, Rich. Uh, tons of value for everybody. Good. I'm glad. I was happy to participate. Thanks for inviting me, Glenn. Really appreciate it. That was a nice video. Bye.